I learned uh, recently that uh, the new Speaker of the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson, is a uh, committed so-called young earth creationist who believes in a literal interpretation of Genesis. I love what Bible scholar John Dominic Crossan says about studying our ancient scriptures. He said, it's not that those ancient people told ancient stories and were now smart enough to take them symbolically. It's that they told them symbolically and we are now dumb enough to take them literally. The story we are about to read is one of those symbolic stories in our scriptures, one that we all know. In fact, you don't really even have to be a Christian or a Jew uh, to know this story. It's one of the two Genesis stories, uh, the one where God fashions Adam out of the earth and blows breath into him and places him in um, this idyllic garden of Eden and then realizes that he really should have a partner. And so he makes Eve out of Adam's rib, right? We've all know that story. Everything in Eden is perfect until that is that the two get into trouble when they decide to eat of the forbidden fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, of course, uh, Barbie and Ken, or I mean Eve and Adam, <laughs> are sent forth from the paradise of Eden to live in the real world. Now you may have heard this tale used to explain original sin or our fall from grace uh, because of our disobedience or as an explanation to why the world is the way it is. But neither of these readings, none of those readings, are supported by the text at all. Those interpretations came much later, much, much later. In fact, the words fall or original sin are nowhere in this story. So I wonder if original sin was never the concern of this well-known passage. What if it's descriptive rather than prescriptive? What if it's really about the choices we make and what it truly means to be human. What it means to live a life full of both heartache and joy. A life with the knowledge of the good stuff and the not so good stuff. A life that includes birth and death. So now let us listen to the passages rather long, I apologize, um, with fresh ears. A reading from Genesis, a journey through the Garden of Eden. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. 
The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man, this one was taken. Therefore, a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat at the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent tricked me and I ate. The man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, See, the humans have become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now they might reach out their hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent them forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which they were taken. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. I know that was long. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Dear God, we come today for a word of truth, a word of meaning, a word of love in this sometimes beautiful and sometimes terrible world. So silence in us any voice but yours that we may hear what you have to say to us today. In Christ our Lord. Amen. 
So how many of you had a Barbie doll as a child? Anybody? Yeah, or a sister who did? Um, so I was not allowed a Barbie doll as a child. My parents uh, weren't particularly strict, but they didn't think that it was particularly healthy for young girls to have dolls that embodied impossible notions of perfect body images. Um, and so when my mom finally relented and at age 12, way too uh, old to be playing with a Barbie, she finally relented and she got me a Skipper doll. Skipper was Barbie's younger sister, uh, who was, well, rather flat-chested. <laughs> when the hoopla came out this summer about the Barbie movie, I did not much expect to like it. Uh, too commercial, too pink, too much hype, too much plastic exterior. But you know, I really loved it. It made me think, it made me ponder, it made me think about what it means to be human and to find meaning and purpose in the world. Um, oh, and it, it kind of made me cry, too. Uh, now, I know some of you haven't seen it, so there'll be a few spoiler alerts. And some of you hated it, and some of you loved it. Uh, it's a movie with commentary on patriarchy and gender roles. Uh, some have been critical of its heavy-handedness in those areas. Um, but it's also about our notions of perfection. And it's also about our brokenness and our wholeness. It uses those themes, I think, in the service of exploring the richness of what it means to be human in the world. There's an internet meme that came out around the time that the two blockbuster movies of the summer came out. Um, it says uh, one of those movies is, a, is about exploring the dark side of the human soul and the shallow collective soul of humanity as we approach Armageddon. And the other movie was, uh, was Oppenheimer. So don't let the pink fool you. Uh, it was never a movie for the eight-year-old crowd. Um, it's a movie that is silly at times, yes, um, but only in the service of some of its more deeply spiritual themes. Greta Gerwig, the wonderful director of and writer of the movie, who grew up Catholic, reported, um, I, I really thought of it as a spiritual journey, acknowledging that she had that Genesis story in mind all along. The Barbies live in a world that has the comfort of fundamentalism. There is no death, aging, or shame. And you never have to wonder what you're meant to do or be. You know, sometimes living in a world of certainty and no choices can be quite comfortable. And so it is in Barbie land, a pink plastic paradise populated with Barbies. The Barbie land is, has every kind of Barbie, of course, President Barbie, Dr. Barbie, Lawyer Barbie, and of course, Margot Robbie as stereotypical Barbie. Barbie land is an idyllic place, one with 
perpetually great weather, where they all live in Barbie dream houses, where life is perfect, where every day is the best day ever, just as yesterday was and tomorrow will be. Life is perfect. Until, of course, our Barbie blurts out one day in the midst of a dance party, hey, do you guys ever think about death? And then everything starts to change. And the deeper her thoughts go, the more her perfect life becomes a little less perfect. She notices some cellulite on her thighs, and her perfectly stilettoed heels lose their arch. She goes looking for answers, and she finds Weird Barbie, Weird Barbie, played unforgettably by Kate McKinnon, um, who is a Barbie who has been played with a little bit too hard. Her hair's chopped off, she's been drawn on, and she smells like basement. And in her wisdom, she encourages Barbie to experience the real world, to meet the person who has been playing with her in the real world. And it turns out that person is Gloria, played by America Ferrara, uh, who is going through a rough patch in the real world, as all of us do. As her tween daughter moves away emotionally, and as she has her own troubles at work and begins to think about her life and her place in it, she found her daughter's old Barbies, and she began sketching new Barbies called um, Relentless Thoughts of Death Barbie, or Shame Barbie, or Existential Crisis Barbie. So are you with me? So Barbie goes on to this hero's journey, uh, or should I say Shiro's journey, uh, to find out what real life is all about, to find her own meaning, her own purpose. She and Ken, who has hopped along for the ride, find a very different world than the one they left. At first, they feel very self-conscious, Gerwig's nod to Adam and Eve discovering shame in Eden. Men ogle Barbie and, and uh, make, her, make comments about her. Barbie learns how to cry and to show emotions. She fails and ends up in jail twice. She gets hauled in before the Mattel executives with the CEO, Will Ferrell, being Will Ferrell, um, who want to put her back in this pristine box from which she came. She does not want to go back into the box from which she came. Just as Barbie is discovering the real world with all its beauty and terribleness, Ken discovers patriarchy, which he thinks maybe is not, uh, which he thinks maybe has something to do with horses. Uh, and he thinks, hey, maybe that's not too bad. Right in the center of the movie, though, there is this scene that the movie executives wanted to cut. It's a cul-de-sac moment in a way since it does not lead the plot anywhere and it was suggested that they could cut it and the narrative of the movie would move on. But Gerwig, Gerwig reportedly said, 
Well, if that scene is cut, then I don't know what this movie is about. So what is the, th the scene? Well, up until then, Barbie has been coming, becoming familiar with both the pain and the exquisiteness of being alive. And she sits alone on a park bench and she looks around, taking in the people around her. And she sees as much strife as she does happiness. And she watches as the wind blows through the trees and she begins to cry. Until then, she looks at an older woman sitting next to her. This is a woman with deep wrinkles, the kind we all get having lived lives full of joy and heartaches, disappointments and, and triumphs. And Barbie turns to her and she really, really looks at her and she says, you are so beautiful. And the woman looks back at her and says with a soft grin, I know it. Gerwig describes that moment as the heart of the movie and as a transaction of pure grace. We are all, each of us, made in the image of God, all of us equally beautiful and valuable in God's eyes. Actually, the experience of being seen and blessed by another was what led Gerwig to make the movie in the first place. Although she was raised in a Christian household, her closest friends growing up were observant Jews, and she often went to their home for Shabbat dinner. And every Friday, the family's father would rest his hand on Gerwig's head, just as he did his own children, and he would bless her too. She remembers feeling safe. She remembers that whatever the wins or losses were for the week, whatever you did or didn't do, when you came to this table, your value had nothing to do with any of that. You are a child of God, made in God's image, and worthy of blessing. It was the feeling of being enough. When Ger Gerwig was asked what her hopes were, were for uh, those seeing the film, she said, I want them to feel like I felt at Shabbat dinner. I want them to feel blessed. And for those of you who are worried about poor Ken, don't be. Uh, he has an epiphany of his own after spending all his time and energy trying to fight his validation through Barbie's gaze, Ken finds that he too is made in God's image and he is enough, or as they say in the movie, Ken-nuff. Having experienced real life in all of its complexity and through a complicated series of antics in Barbie land, to save Barbie land, Barbie realizes that she can't go back to being stereotypical Barbie in a perfect Eden. And she finds that she must choose whether to leave behind the plastic and artificial for something that's hard. I mean, no one looks like Barbie forever, not even Margot Robbie. 
No one can be successful all the time like all those other Barbies. The richness of human life comes from not only knowing what seems good, but also knowing sadness and grief and even tragedy. And so Barbie meets her maker. She meets her real-life creator, Ruth Handler, played by wonderful Rhea Perlman, who, who has apparently been kept in some kitchen in the basement of Mattel headquarters. Handler created Barbie back in the day because she wanted her own daughter to have big dreams and aspirations. And the only dolls at the time were baby dolls. She wanted her daughter to know that her worth was not just in being a mother, but she could do whatever she wanted. So Barbie meets her creator, cue the biblical symbolism, and Barbie tells her that she doesn't feel like Barbie anymore. I've always been stereotypical Barbie, she says, and I don't think I'm really good at anything else. And so Ruth asks her if she understands that humans have only one ending. Ideas live forever, but humans not so much. She wants to be sure that Barbie knows that being human can be pretty uncomfortable, that sometimes we make things up like patriarchy or the Barbie movie because we need to deal with how uncomfortable it is. And then Barbie says these words that are the, my favorite in the movie. She says, I want to be part of the people who make meaning, not the thing that's being made. I want to do the imagining. I don't want to be the idea. It's a beautiful exchange uh, brought to life in one of the movie's wonderful songs, um, uh, by Billie Eilish that we're going to hear in a few minutes. What was I made for? What was I made for? Friends, that is the question we all have to ask if we are to continue to learn and to grow into our own true humanity in this life, considerably east of Eden or Barbie land for that matter. Do we want to stay in a world that's plastic and artificial, circumscribed by others? When God sent her first children out of Eden, bound by the freedom to choose, to ask questions and to learn and grow into the people God hopes they will be, she sends us into a world that's hard but rich with promise. Not that I was ever given the choice, but living a life of perfection and of invulnerability, of never knowing honest-to-goodness failure or hardship, a life without the pain of childbirth and without the joy of teaching my children to ride a bike and watch them fall down and get back up again and again. A life without deep love and deep grief, in short, a life without the knowledge of good and evil, well, that just seems kind of boring to me. When Barbie asks Ruth per, for permission to become human, Ruth tells her that she doesn't need 
her permission. She says, I can't control you any more than I can control my own daughter, Barbara. And she tells her that being human is not something she needs to ask for or even want. It's something she can just discover. And so Ruth shows her in a beautiful, moving, and tear-jerking montage what human life is all about. I like to think that knowing the potential hardships of this world that await her, along with the great blessing, she understands, that Barbie understands, there is no greater blessing than being alive. She will age, yes, she will die. Those she loves will. But as she begins to feel and to experience the great beauty of life in its heights and its depths, she will become all that God has made her to be and more. And friends, may that always and forever be true for you and me. Amen.